Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. Kyle, it's been a uh, it's been a sad, emotional two days with the uh, the passing of Kobe Bryant, with the anniversary of the plane crash. This is going to be a, a bit of a somber pod. It is the Kobe stuff. Is uh, I don't know, man. Like I don't I don't get. I think the more that you do this job, you and I, you covering OU Thunder, Oklahoma State. You know, big national stuff when it's warranted. I'm at, at major championships, at the Masters, OSU stuff. The the more you do it, the more jaded you become toward sports. I, I think that's natural. And and I'm not saying like I think we both still like we both love our jobs, right? And we both appreciate them a lot. But the emotional response that I had to Kobe dying, I did not see coming and I don't totally know why I felt the way I did. Maybe it's because we're older now. I, I, I don't know. Have you, have you sorted through some of that? Have you, have you, have you felt those emotions? Have you, and do you know why you're feeling them if you are? Yes and no. I mean, I, I, I loved what you wrote. You wrote an article on pistols firing talking about the OSU plane crash and Kobe and just, and just life in general, I think, and I think your tweet summed it up. Probably my mental state through it was it's the most shocking death of my adult life. I think yeah. that's probably the best way to put it. It's right up there with Bobby Jr. passing away too. Uh, that one was far more personal for me, but just the the sheer shock value of it, uh, dying so young was just crazy. Um, so no, I mean, it's, it's been an emotion. I was way more emotional too than I, than I thought I would be. I, I did not grow up a Kobe Bryant fan, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, I'm a Shaq loyalist. Shaq is my favorite athlete of all time by far. Just a kid growing up in the nineties. He was tearing down basketball goals and just seemed, just seemed larger, <laughs> was larger than life and was, was funny. And just, that's why he was in movies. He was just everything. And so my fandom started out with the Orlando magic. But then when he went to the Lakers, they had this, young kid his second year make the all-star team and Kobe Bryant and he wore number eight and I actually didn't own a Shaquille O'Neal jersey the first jersey I owned was a number eight Kobe Bryant jersey because I loved mm. I loved when he won the slam dunk contest I just I just said this is this is the new guy along with Shaq and so I yeah. pulled for all those Laker teams and wanted them to win 10 championships but then I I turned on Kobe whenever the the Shaq fallout happened I didn't like him at all the Colorado stuff bothered me um, but then Kyle late, late in his years, I got to cover him with the thunder Yeah, and he really recognized his, his later stages of his career, his importance to the younger players. And he really, really was complimentary of Westbrook and Duran and overly so. I mean, they, they eliminated him in the playoffs. His last playoff game was in Oklahoma city. And he, he really recognized that he was kind of the, the torch bearer and he was passing it on to the younger generation i really grew to love the older kobe the vino kobe he used to tweet out vino because he was aging like a fine wine <laughs> and uh I, I do have one kobe story i'd like to share before yeah. i turn it back yeah. over to you is uh you know i you cover kevin durant and russell westbrook and I, I went to the nba finals i've been around some superstars and lebron is certainly up there in terms of just being starstruck when i'm holding a microphone two two feet away but I think Kobe might be the most starstruck I've ever been in terms of a, a media setting. You know, I'd been to a few press conferences where he was at, and you're like, whoa, that's Kobe. But then I was in the locker room right at, it was the first game, I think, after the news broke that the Thunder were trading for Kendrick Perkins. And everyone knew what that meant. He was going to go battle Pau Gasol and Andrew Bynum in the playoffs. And Thunder just played the Lakers, and I went to the Lakers locker room, and there was only like six or seven people there waiting for Kobe took forever. He, he did a huge process after games with ice and everything else. 
and in walks Kobe, and I'm like, holy bleep, that's Kobe Bryant, and I'm about to interview him. <laughs> and no one was asking about Perk. I mean, Perk was the it, – it's easy to forget now, but that was a huge story in the NBA. Yeah. And no one had asked about it after a while, and I'm like, well, I'm scared to death, but someone needs to ask this, so I have to. So I asked the question, and he kind of – he turned and looked at me and kind of smiled, like knowing the implication is that Perk's coming to battle him. And he gave this great answer, and we had eye contact, and it was – Still to this day, a highlight of my career. That the soundbite he gave me was was beamed throughout the world on ESPN.com, you name it. And that was my only real brush with Kobe Bryant. And he was a super prof- a super pro. And I don't get starstruck a lot in this business anymore. But but I certainly was with Kobe. I, I I'm glad you told that story. I'm glad you brought that up because I think I think there are times and and maybe this is a. Maybe this is an Oklahoma State thing. Maybe maybe in the world that we sort of exist in with Oklahoma State, it feels as if the the relationship between the media and the the players and coaches that we cover can be adversarial. Maybe that's a Gundy thing. I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I think sometimes it just feels like that. But I think the the best guys, and I don't just mean like the best people with the media. I mean like the best players are so good with media with stuff like that and it makes you wonder like why why are the why are the and this doesn't our podcast doesn't need to be about this but you telling that story reminded me like why are the best players some of the some of the ones that are best with the media and 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 why are guys that are lesser players not more like that i i don't know there there can't i don't know if there's a correlation there because it's the same way in golf like if you want to go talk to you know, I think about somebody like um, I don't, just all the young, really good players, Spieth, JT, Ricky's like this uh, most of the time. Rory is definitely like this. Like, they're just so good at giving you good answers and, like, uh, really engaging in a real way. And that's some of the stuff that you've heard with Kobe is, like, hey, he uh, he texted me after I wrote this and, like, respected it and and debated it, or he called me and said that or said this or had this point and i'm like this is this is awesome like that's the way a, a, a relationship with the media should be and it's not like that with most players and coaches and organizations it's, it just isn't you know i think we've seen that a lot with the thunder maybe that's why that's part of why i'm saying this um but i don't know that's been maybe the most i didn't cover kobe obviously like you but maybe that that might be the most surprising piece of all of this in kind of the wake of everything that's happened yeah and i think he he, kobe became that way more in the end of his career um i think you just became just interested in how he was covered and and stuff like that but i think just to your point i think stars are just interviewed more and they're more comfortable doing it um that said there's there's still the russell westbrooks out there who are just going to be adversarial for no reason it's just some people that way but but uh, Kyle, I think it's the saddest day in NBA history. I, I, I equated it on the air last night to, you know, I wasn't alive when, when John Lennon was killed. Uh, I remember Princess Diana dying. I, I think it's kind of like the day the music died, the Buddy Holly crash. Uh, the, the world kind of stopped when that happened. I think the, the basketball world is, they keep playing games, Kyle, but it, the, the world has really stopped in the world of basketball. I think it's one of the, the saddest days, and it's just it's it's kind of eerie that it happened the day before the uh, the OSU plane crash anniversary. I think you wrote about that in the article I mentioned. Um, where, but where were where were you? I was <laughs> I was watching a, a movie actually at, at my girlfriend's house, and I saw the pistols firing slack. There was a there was an article about Joe Wickline going to. This is a, kind of a weird. This is kind of where my brain was. I wasn't thinking about it at all. But there was an article someone posted about Wickline going to Baylor, and then someone wrote Kobe. That was me. And I and I remembered it was you. And I I remembered Joe Wickline's son was named like Colby or something like that. So that's what I thought you were referring to was his son. I guess just, I just glanced at it while I was watching a movie. I didn't really put two and two together. And then Jonathan Condor, our week, our uh, our morning meteorologist texted me and said, you know, did you hear, this is crazy about Kobe. And I'm like, wait a second, that's two references to, does he mean Kobe Bryant? Is that what Kyle was talking about? So I, mm. I of course got online and, and saw the news. Um, and at that point it was just the TMZ thing. And, 
and I was embarrassed as a journalist that so many people got it wrong. It was just, it was just, you can't do that. Like you cannot misreport the deaths of humans. Can you imagine being no. family members? I mean, from thinking all four of Kobe's children were on that thing to that they were all safe to then you find out Gianna's on it. I just, that was inexplicable to me, but no, it was, it was shocking. I, um, it still doesn't seem real when I, when I see, uh, I was driving home from the Thunder game last night and they said, we're going to talk more about the, the, the life of Kobe Bryant coming to an end. I was like, what? It just still doesn't sound right. Yeah. It just sounds weird. It doesn't sound accurate. And I think you hit on this too. Like Kobe just felt immortal, didn't he? I mean, he was, he's only 41 years old and you just pictured him being like Bill Russell is now just on the sidelines with gray hair and you just assumed he would be around forever. And it's just, uh, it, it's really sad. And again, I'm not the biggest Kobe fan, but it was cool too. And you, I'm not a father. You are, I think, uh, his daughters really kind of gave him a new purpose and turned him into a different person for the better. And, uh, it's just sad that his daughter was on the, on the flight too. Yeah. I didn't even, so I had, I had, uh, I was on, I was on whenever it, whenever it started coming across cause I was covering the golf and it was just like all, I mean, I, I was supposed to be live blogging the, the farmers and, and I didn't like, I just, it, I, I don't know what happened to it. I just, I, I still am not totally sure like what went on our website at the time, but, uh, because I was just staring at Twitter trying to figure out what happened and who was involved. I mean, cause I had tweeted out, right. I didn't even, I, I don't know why, but I didn't even think about any of his other family being with him. I just, for whatever reason, presume that he was by himself or good, you know, whatever. And so I tweeted out the ages of his daughters, not even thinking that they would have, any of them would have been with him. And yeah, the whole like misreporting thing was not, there was a lot going on. Um, yeah, it was, I don't know, man. Like, I think it was, he seemed like somebody who, his life was not him and I wrote about him and tiger for CBS and their careers are, are kind of eerily similar in terms of the arc of them, the ages, when they turned pro, when they were great, they had these public scandals. It just, there's just a bunch of similarities, but I think the one difference is Kobe seemed like he was able to enjoy in a real way, things outside of basketball. And maybe it never, maybe none of those things ever lived up to playing basketball. I don't know how they could, but I don't think Tiger has that. Not to make this about Tiger, but I think that's part of the sadness there. And yeah, as, as, as a dad, I mean, just the way, and you know, I think people are like, oh, well, you don't know what kind of dad he was. No, I don't. Uh, All I know is what I see publicly. And it seemed like his relationship with his kids is not something that you could, it doesn't seem like something you could or would fake for that long. It seemed like a real thing um, that may or may not have been deeper or more shallow than we think that it was. But um, yeah, that's, that's the saddest part. Like we talk about the Lakers and the the titles and the, all this stuff. And it's like, well, no, like three kids lost their dad and their sister and two of them aren't even old enough to know what's going on. And a 13 year old died with her dad. I mean, that, that's the part that I like keep thinking about, you know, that's the part that I keep going back to. And it's like, this is, this is staggering. And I don't know why, like, I, again, I have no, I, I, I liked Kobe. I had the, uh, I had the old, remember like the second Adidas that had like the weird, um, like knobs on the bottom of them. Oh, they were so cool. Those are some of my favorite shoes of all time. I had those and they're like one of the first shoes, like, like player shoes that I ever had. And, uh, you know, that, that, but that was like the extent of it. I wasn't like, I didn't love Kobe, but for whatever reason, man, I just, I don't know. I, it, it has really hit home for me in a, in just a real way. I think look like, None of this means anything. Brooks Kepka said this today. Uh, he was like, whatever, we play games for a living. It's all stupid. And and that's true. I think they should make him the logo in the NBA. I do too. And, and I, I just, I, I, I don't know. Like, again, none of that, is, it, it, 
it just feels like, and it's, it's, it's so hard to contextualize this stuff as it happens. I feel like this is, I feel like we'll look back on this and be like, that was a, that was a huge deal. 41 years is nothing, dude. It's nothing. That's like seven years older than us. It is, it is barely half a lifetime. And, um, yeah, it just, it stinks. Cause I think we think about professional athletes being like done with their life after their career's over. And it's like, no, they have like another life, a complete other life left to live and to grow and to develop as a dad and as a husband and as a friend. And, uh, he doesn't get to do that. And it stinks. Zach Lowe said it's a, it's a clear, there's the NBA before, uh, the passing of Kobe. And now there's going to be the NBA after he said, there's a clear, there's gonna be a clear difference, which I thought was, yeah, was, was chilling. And I do think the logo should change. I think Jerry West, should come out and say that because he is the logo. I think he would give his blessing. Um, I think people would be opposed to that because it's been that for so long. But this is unprecedented, having a player this close to the NBA this soon. I mean, he knows everyone in the NBA. Every player (laughs) knows of him or knows him. And so um, two more things. We're going to talk about the Remember the Ten and and everything else, but I think this is important to touch on. And I want to get your favorite Kobe memory that you tweeted about in a second. But back, back to Tiger. It was weird. I had to be so bizarre for people on the course who were yelling Kobe and Tiger not knowing what what the heck they were talking about. And I thought it was remarkable how composed Tiger was when asked about it, having learned literally like three and a half minutes prior (laughs) that his friend Kobe Bryant had died. The way he gave that interview as coolly and as calmly as he did. Tiger's, he's seen it all. He's like a, He's like a military general that was been on the front lines of life. Like he's just <laughs> he's seen it all between the passing of his father and everything he's been through. Like that was one of the more impressive interviews I've ever seen. Yeah, it it, it was uh you know, I I wish I agree it was it was really good. I thought he would be good and he was good. I wanted more and this is he just he just can't do it for whatever reason. I think he's just flipped this switch off and he doesn't know how or when to turn it on. I wanted some emotion from him, you know, like some. I mean, it's a stagger like the, the it's a staggering thing. Like I went in to tell my wife about it because she was playing with the kids or whatever, and I like could. I, I mean, I I. I told her, and then when I started talking about his daughter, I was like, I don't know if I can say this out loud, you know. And it is a, it's a staggering thing. And again, like I'm not, I don't even know Kobe. And yet here I am feeling like this. And I wanted some of that from Tiger, you know, like talking about his own kids. Cause they kind of share that. I think Tiger, like, okay. So the Tiger thing, like legitimately likes being a dad, like from all the people that I've talked to that know him, that are close to him, he's lived a, super weird life but i think that's like the one normal thing in his life is getting to be a dad and 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 to to kind of share that uh passion with kobe i wanted some of that you know i wanted some of the i wanted more of the like um the mental stuff because they the, the, both of them love talking about that stuff so i just I, it was good i wanted more well, you, you ain't getting it. He had learned like three minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I know. Uh, you tweeted about the Beijing Olympics, Dude. which I almost, I was literally thinking about crafting a tweet similar to yours and you tweeted it. So I just retweeted you, but I want you to, to talk about that. So 2008, I'm in college, I'm in grad school at Oklahoma State. Uh, I went over to uh, our friend uh, Ross Miles's house, uh, John Sheets and Nolan Cox were over there. You know Ross Miles. We we know so many of the same people yet. Yeah, we didn't were roommates. Hang out in college. We, we were roommates before that. We weren't <laughs> we weren't in 08, but we were before that. We were oh. uh, room like we lived in the same room. Like our beds were in the same room. Anyway, I don't wow. know why we're talking about this, but um, we were over there. And I, if I remember right, USA Spain gold medal game, 2 a.m., something like that, 2.30. It was late. It was like Australian Open times. And at the time, I think the U.S. lost in 04. Is that right? Yeah, like they, 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 they lost Argentina in 04. Yeah, so they lose Argentina in 04. And then all of a sudden, like, the Spain thing is a real thing because they've got – 
uh, was I think Rubio was like a teenager on those teams. They've got the Gasols. Uh, they had who's the guy that um, that played for Portland for a while? Uh, Rudy Fernandez. Yeah, Rudy Fernandez. They they had a bunch of guys. They're they were good. they were real. They were for real. And the U.S. is all these like twenty two year olds, twenty three year olds, and just just mega talented. But Spain knew how to play, and they played them tight, and it was a great game. It was just a freak. It was like the opposite of the way OSU's been playing recently. It was just a freaking good basketball game. And you get to the end, and most of those guys hadn't been through it yet. Like they hadn't been to the finals. They hadn't done all the stuff that they did. It was Melo and D Wade and Dwight Howard and LeBron. Again, yeah, LeBron. They were super talented. Yeah. Which, by the way, Chris Paul seems older than, way older than LeBron, even though they're the same age. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so anyway, they get to the end, and the thing that struck me, and I remember talking about this with Nolan at the time. Because this was when he – it was right before he walked on the OSU basketball team. But we were talking about how, like, everybody started getting a little tense because it was close late, and it seemed like nobody really wanted it. Jason Kidd was on that team. He was older. He was, like, 35. But nobody really wanted to, like, shut it down, close it out. And at the end, I remember Kobe taking it and just being like, okay, it's it's Kobe time. It's time time to close it – time to shut it down, time to close this thing out. And he, he hits a couple buckets. He hits that three and does the Patrick Reed, you know, uh, finger, <laughs> finger, finger to the mouth, uh, shutting everybody up. And I just remember it was like he was – I mean, it was a team of alphas, team of the best guys in the world who had always been the best at everything they had ever done. And they got tight, and nobody wanted it, and Kobe wanted it. And that just always struck me as like he is – in a room full of, in an arena full of alphas, they all look to him at the end. And that's such a, that's such a cool, I mean, you can't, there is no data, there are no statistics in the world that can measure that kind of thing. And I just thought it was the coolest. I thought it was, whatever you want to say about Kobe, I thought that was the coolest thing. It's my favorite basketball moment. I think it's the, probably his finest moment as a basketball player. Beyond winning NBA championships even. Because you're right, they were totally wilting. Everyone was looking around like, who's going to win this game? Because I'm scared. And Kobe said, sit down. I got it. Yeah. He locked him up on defense. I think uh, someone on the team on Spain had like 20 in the first half. And Kobe said, I got this. And he scored like two in the second half. Mm. And I think I think it's his finest moment. And I'm, I'm glad you tweeted about it because I, I stayed up for that game too. And that's when I think he, he went to... He won two titles after that with the Lakers, but I still yeah. think that that Olympics was was his defining moment as a basketball player. For me, this is the last thing I'll say about it is if they were to write a book about the NBA in Oklahoma City, Kobe is a key figure in the first several chapters. I mean, you go back to 06 when Chris, Chris Paul was a, a rookie for the Oklahoma City Hornets, those two years they were here. Kobe Bryant came to Oklahoma City for the first time like, like a game or two after he scored 81. And he was part of the first playoff series in Oklahoma City. His final road game of his career was in Oklahoma City. Final playoff game. He, he's tied to it. And he kind of was the mentor uh, for, for Kevin and Russ. And um, he was always so gracious and complimentary of, of Oklahoma City as a city, uh, of those players. And uh, that, to me... He earned a lot of my respect just the way he handled his business uh, throughout. And those had to be tough times for him. And he's not used to losing in the first round of the playoffs. And he still – he wasn't a curmudgeon about it. And uh, that's something I'm always going to remember. And he, he's a very important figure in Oklahoma City and in my world when it, when it comes sure. to the NBA. For sure. Uh, okay, you want to talk about uh, – what do we got here? Remember the 10? Yeah, uh, important. We have to talk about it. It happened uh, last night. Was rarely does Kyle does the the game fall on the actual date. Usually, it's like a Saturday yeah. prior or, or after. And uh, yes, Kyle, it's just it's um, it's really sad. It's uh, the further we get away from it, it doesn't get any less sad for me. I mean, uh, like I, I tweeted about this last night. Like I I cried that night. Like I I was really. How old was I? 2001. I mean, 16. I was I was I was in high school, yeah. And Bill Teagans was someone I felt like I knew because you know you you me and my dad we drive to from Edmond to 
to Stillwater. You listened to the pregame and the postgame. You hung out with them for a couple hours on the way to the game and on the way after. And, and some people listened during. We didn't, but I felt like I knew him. And that's the one that really kind of shook me up the most was, was Bill Teagans. And uh, it's just it's, it's such a shame that all those 10 guys perished. And I kind of got shaken up last night, Kyle. I started to... Uh, The remember the ten. Um, excuse me. Like I'm a big softy when I go to like funerals and stuff, and I see. Um, When I see like other family members just distraught, it just it always kills me. And uh, the remember the ten run Twitter account like tweeted out like uh, these these kind of messages from the families, and it just it shook me up, man. It still does. Just thinking about it right now, and um, it. Uh, I don't even know why I'm breaking down right now, but it uh, just reading those messages, the one from like Daniel Lawson's family just killed me last night. And uh, I would just encourage everyone to, to go read those. And, and again, I didn't know these people, but you know, it, it matters and it, um, it hurts. It, you know, I felt like I knew Bill Teagans and, uh, those guys, I watched Daniel Lawson and, and Nate Fleming take the court and, uh, I don't know. It was really the first time, other than like my, my, I think my, my grandparents, a couple when I was younger, passing away. It was the first time I really had to cope with death. Mm. And um, I don't know. Just reading those private messages from the families, just I just looking <laughs> looking at them right now didn't help me much. But um, it just I don't know. It's a it's a sad time, and I think it's important to talk about. It is, and it does matter, and it is important, and. You know, I think the thing that got me was there, there was a picture from the, um, I can't remember the, the, I can't remember the exact tw- Twitter name, Twitter handle. It's the Eddie Sutton documentary folks who have done a great job. Uh, Chris Hunt and those guys are very talented. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember what their exact Twitter name is, but they sent, they put out a picture and I don't know when it was taken. I guess it could have been this year because Eddie was at the game last night, but just a picture of Eddie at an older age next to the memorial. And you're like, Oh man, like it just is. Uh... Cause I think you can talk about, you can talk about the remember the 10 stuff and how Eddie kind of held everything together. People have talked about that a lot, but to think about what that did to him and to the program and he, he, he is a representation of the passage of time from then until now. And I think what you're, some of what you're referencing is like, you know, all these people that are, that are sending messages to their, to their family members who passed away, that represents 19 years that they have lived and that their son or brother or husband did not. And that's a, that's a, I don't know, man, the passage of time stuff just destroys me. And I don't know why, I don't know if that's just like built into us as humans. I don't know what that is, but to think about living for 19 years and somebody else didn't because they died in five seconds, that's a, you know, and you combine that with some of the Kobe stuff, that's a powerful thing. So people should go check out that Eddie picture because it is uh, it's it's pretty staggering. Uh, just to th- yeah. just you can see some of the you can see some of that passage of time kind of etched on his face. Yeah, I mean, sorry for breaking down a second ago. I think I'm back now. Um, Eddie has aged twenty years in the last five to ten. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know if it's the plane crash. I don't know if it's the 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 passing of his wife, Patsy, I'm sure it's all combined, but he's the same age as Barry Switzer. They're like one year apart. And yeah. 
Barry Switzer looks 25 years younger than Eddie at this point. It's remarkable and it's sad. And I, I, I will always think of Eddie at the, at the service, that picture of him that I think I, I posted this week of, mm-hmm. of his heads in his hands and you can see the names behind him. And like, I don't know how many people on earth could have handled it the way he did. He was just a rock for the family, the university, everyone. And, um, I'm sure that took its toll. I mean, we, We'll never know if his his alcohol problems resurfacing was was tied to that. I mean, I we don't know that, but I do wonder if if that had something to do with it. But it's it's a really sad day in the in the university's history. But I also think it's really important. I, I'm so proud of OSU for the way they've handled it with the remember the ten run, the way they recognize it every year. I know that has to be so important to those families because I think. Not only do they lose loved ones 19 years ago, Kyle, I think there's always that fear that people will just move on and go on with their lives and won't recognize your loss or forget about, frankly, those people. And yeah. I think it's I think it's important. Yeah, it is. And you know, I thought Mike Boynton did a good job, just like just like Travis Ford did, always did a good job with the Remember the Ten stuff. Um, you know, I, one of the things that, that Boynton said that I kind of wrote about was – uh, it changed our program. It changed our, he was speaking about Oklahoma state, obviously it changed. He wasn't there, but he was speaking to his players. He said it changed our program. It changed our school. It changed the way we do everything. And that's true. And just because something, you know, I think in life and when we go through some of this stuff, it's easy to just kind of um, sweep stuff under the rug or ignore it or whatever. And, he hasn't done that. OSU hasn't done that. And that's a good thing because that's, that's a healthy way to process uh, all of it. And I, I just, um, you know, we can talk about the basketball, which is not good, but the way he's handled everything else is, has been super impressive. Yeah. I, l- I love the video that they put out. People should watch that as well. Mike Boynton's kind of carrying the torch that, that Travis, Travis Ford was awesome at it. I think that's, that's so true. I think he, he still wears his Remember the Ten pin. Uh, Kyle Keller, who was on that staff, uh, he coaches now at Stephen F. Austin, was wearing his Remember the Ten pin when he won in Cameron Indoor. So it, it, it affects those people. And, uh, yeah, so let's let's talk about the basketball, I guess. I mean, OSU can't score. Uh, Kansas wins by 15 points. And, uh, Kyle, they're, OSU is now 0-7. For the first time since 1973 in conference play. They're 0-7 in conference play for the first time since 1972-73 season. Someone named Guy Strong was the coach back then. I'd never heard of him until I looked it up. But uh, it's OSU basketball has been in a malaise since Eddie. I think they've, they have one tournament win since 05, which is just unbelievable. And somehow they're hitting a new low. They're 0-7 in, in conference play. I, I like Mike Boynton. I think he's a good coach. I think he's proven that he can coach uh, over his first couple years. But he's not doing a good job right now, and they're not competitive, which they've hit a new low despite being a dormant program for 15 years. That's really all I can say. They're 80th in Ken Palm right now, projected to go 4-14 and 14 in conference play. Uh, they're ranked ahead of North Carolina in Ken Palm, if you're looking for positives. I don't know if that is one. <laughs> but uh, – they beat Texas A&M on Saturday. A&M stinks. They're 169th in Ken Palm, so I don't know if that's actually an achievement. Uh, it's not good, you know. I I put this into uh, I put this on the chamber on our forum earlier today, but they have more since 2005. So since that since Salim Stoudemire hit that shot in 05, they've signed more number one players in the country than they have NCAA tournament wins. Which two. is, uh, yeah, two. Because Cade Cunningham got moved to, uh, Rivals has him as the number one player in the country now. And obviously they signed <laughs> Gerald Green back in 05, which I guess technically that was before that run ended, but y- you get the point. Like, it's uh, it's not good. And I I don't know. I mean, what, what if, you know, one of the, one of the, it, I don't love to go down – who am I kidding? I do love to do the what-if thing. I don't know how healthy it is, but 
what if they hadn't signed Cade? Where where would what would how would we be talking about this? I mean, is is that not is that not the primary job security for Mike Boynton right now? Is having the number one player in the country, probably the number one pick in the draft, coming to Stillwater next year? Well, that and having four years left on your contract. I mean, do, does anyone think that? Yeah, but it's so they're small. They're going to buy him out. Well, they don't. They don't pay him anything. I mean, he's he just got over a million, I think. Uh, he, I, I, he's probably the lowest paid guy in the Big Twelve, and I think that's the, you know, that's the advantage of bringing in somebody who has not done this before in terms of head coaching is that you don't, you don't have to go big to get him, you know? And so look, like I want Mike Boyne to be at OSU for 30 years. I do. I want them to win three final fours, whatever. Uh, but look right now, Carson, they're Texas football. I'll believe it when I see it, you know, Oklahoma state basketball is back. I'll, I'll believe that uh, when they get to a sweet 16. Well, to the point about the salary, I mean, Brian Keating brought this up last night. We were talking about just OSU basketball, and he kind of made the point. It's true. He's like, you kind of get what you pay for, right? I mean, OSU is the low, like he's the lowest paid coach by like a million in the league. Yeah, but you could have said uh, that. You could have said that about Gundy at the beginning of his career too, and that that part has worked out. It's true. Know. It's true. But TCU has been horrible their entire existence. What they do, they. They go pay Jamie Dixon, who's a yeah. big-time coach. Now, he's an alum. That, that's true. Uh, the best example is Oklahoma. Joe Castiglione flew to Las Vegas to sign Lon Kruger to be the new coach. He turned him down. What did Joe Castiglione do? He flew back to Oklahoma, got more money, came back, and said, you're getting on this plane and coming back yeah. to Norman. And he did. Yeah. What did Illinois do? He said, Brad, you're getting on this plane. I'm going to pay you whatever you want. You're going to get $3 million. Come on this plane. So he did. Would you, would you trade Mike Boyne for Brad Underwood right now? I don't know. I go back and forth on that. But the I point not. is I not. you're not you're not paying a competitive salary to to be to be anything less than second or third to last. I mean you kinda I think Brian's right in that you kinda get what you pay for. I mean you're going up against Bob Huggins, Bill Self, you know, even even a guy like Bruce Weber. Like I we all love to make fun of Bruce, but Kansas State's relevant. They're in the tournament every year. They've been to Elite Eight. I mean, uh, Scott Drew, same deal. Now, you, I guess Scott Drew would be a good comparison for Mike Boynton. He was pretty young when he took over at Baylor, and it, it took him some time to figure it out. So I'm willing to give Mike time. I just, I'm with you, though. If, if Cade Cunningham was not coming next year, I think the the Twitter sphere and social media would, would be have their pitchforks out and be like, what the hell's going on with this with this team? How How is this? thing I can't wrap my mind around Kyle is how is this the same team that we watched just torch Syracuse like how can that be how can they be this bad they're they're non-competitive and I don't I just don't understand well I guess my thing is how can they be worse than last year so last year they start uh let's see here oh, they start two and two two and five so they start two and five in the big 12 instead of oh and seven and they were I mean it's Who'd you lose from last year? You lost uh, Curtis Jones. Okay. You lost Duncan Demuth. Okay. <laughs> and you added the Boons. You added uh, who else did you add? That's playing. Oh, you added Avery Anderson. You added Chris. You, you're adding pieces and. You're not, you're worse that, and look, I get it. Like Baylor's sick. Texas tech is sick. Kansas is Kansas. West Virginia is really good. You know, like I, I get that part of it. It's, it's really difficult. It, it stinks, but you gotta figure it out. You gotta, you got to, you got to get more guys, and once you get them, you got to do something with them. Because that's the problem this year. It's not that they, you know, are they adding huge pieces year over year? I don't know. The Boons are going to be, I think, good. I think Avery Anderson's going to be really good. But, uh, you know, they're not Cade Cunningham's, but you still have to do something with them. Win a game in the conference, anything. You know, and, and Boynton said this last night. He's like, look, you guys should be criticizing us because we've been terrible, and that's on me. So it's not like – it's not like he doesn't get it. It's just not working right now. Yeah, it's it's all bad. Um, but they did have two more highly touted recruits in the stands last night. I'm not sure they saw what they liked or saw what they wanted, but 
I guess now are those two guys that were there last night would they be able to play with Kate or are they would they would Kate be gone by the time they no they're twenty twenty so it was uh, Moncrief the kid from I think he's from Canada and then Donovan Williams who was a Nebraska commit and just decommitted and Marshall Scott interviewed him did a really good interview it's on it's on our site. Uh, to read all of it, you got to be a, a PFB Plus subscriber, um, which is a, a plug for that because it's a really good interview. But, you know, the thing I told our guys last night, I was like, if they both commit to OSU, which they could do at any time, they're 2020 guys, uh, OSU would have the number five class in the country. And so that's the other that's the other part of this, Carson. It can, it can turn in a hurry, especially with somebody like Cade Cunningham coming. But uh, it needs to. You know, it needs to turn in a hurry because the trajectory right now is not good. Nope. Definitely needs to turn around in a hurry. Um, so we talked about Boyden. That was four. Uh, we did have football news today, Kyle. CJ Moore has entered yeah. the transfer portal. I believe that's, what, the fourth wide receiver to enter the portal since the season ended? Well, if you include uh, Grayson Boomer, it's, it's the fifth. Okay. Tied in you've Cowboy got, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got Elsie uh, Greenwood. You've got Patrick McCoffman. You've got Terrell Alexander, who he played – I think he played defense for a little bit also. But, yes, he was a top guy, especially out of high school. And uh, you've got C.J. Moore. C.J. Moore is the 13th highest-ranked recruit in school history, and he is uh, apparently leaving. And I don't know. I mean, look, those four guys – those five guys totaled 93 receiving yards last year. So it's like – okay, like what, what's, you know, is this, how should I feel about this? You know, some of it is just, some of it's just the, the, the consequences of having a transfer portal, like stuff like this is just going to happen. I mean, how many guys does OU have transferring a ton? Um, And it's just like, I don't know how much does it, it stinks. You want talent, but how much does it impact the 2020 team? I don't know. Well, very little. I just you worry about the the years after that because someone will have to step up for sure. Without Tywin next year, and Dylan Stoner eventually will graduate. Is he a senior next year? I don't know. He's pro- it has to be. Yeah, he is. Let me type it in the Google machine. <laughs> so here here's the thing. This is what I thought of Carson. You know, if you look back, their last five classes. If you look at the top two guys in each of the last five classes, uh, six of them have transferred which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darian Daniels transferred. John Kolar transferred. Uh, Greenwood was a top two guy in his class. He's transferring. Um, uh, CJ Moore was a top guy in his class. He's transferring. Can't remember the other one. There's one more or maybe two more, but a lot of them. Are tra- and, I, and I feel like that's, I feel like that's where Gundy looks at it and goes, yep. See, this is what happens when you, re- you know, recruit top talent. But here's the thing, Carson, the guys they have left over out of that group of 10, the top two guys in each of the last five classes, uh, Tylen Wallace, Spencer Sanders, Calvin Bundage, and DeAndre Glass. And you would trade the other six guys for that kind of impact player. And that's why you t- people point out and be like, see, this is what happens when you recruit top talent. They think they can go elsewhere and play. And it's like, who cares? That's part of the deal. You're trying to take shots and hope one of them or two of them or three of them hit because those are the guys that change program. Tylen Wallace changes your program. Spencer Sanders changes your program. Calvin Bundage changes your program. And so you're just trying to hit on a couple of them. You don't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that the other ones are transferring. That's just what happens. That happens everywhere. It just happens uh, at places that are really good, it happens. Uh, you, you get more shots at it because you're taking more of those guys that can impact a program. I totally agree. It's what we talk about all the time with recruiting. Have you yeah. seen what Clem- Clemson's doing for 2021? I, I just just read it. To, just yeah, hit me with it. Well, they got like the number one overall player, sure. um, who's a defensive end. I think yeah. they have like four of the top. I'm looking it up now, but they have like four of the top like ten in the country for 2021. It is just Dabo sure. Swinney has that thing. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> uh, just star. All I see is stars. They have four and five stars everywhere, basically. So yeah, the, the rich get richer. But yeah. uh, no, I'm I'm surprised CJ Moore's transferring. I, I thought he could have played some next year. I mean, how 
he caught a touchdown pass against Oregon State. I know. How long ago does that feel? I, I mean, know. How do, how do you get on the field game one this year and not think you're going to get on the field at all next year? With I've, I had forgotten about that. I went back to look at his game log, and I remember the McNeese one, but then I was like, he caught a touchdown against Oregon State? And yep. sure, sure enough, he did. Yeah, and maybe this is where a guy like Tom Wallace coming back you know, hurts you a little bit. A lot of those guys probably said, look, gosh, Tywin's back and I'm getting even less catches than I thought next year. I don't know how much of that is, goes into like guys like McCoffman and them who haven't played much, but maybe it does for a CJ Moore. But uh, from Tulsa Union, uh, related to Tracy Moore, you, you hate to see him go, but you know, this is kind of the day and age we, we live in with college football. Okay, Gundy. Society, um, society we live in. Let's get to... Uh... Let's get to this week's Buckets and Bricks. Buckets and Bricks, Carson, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Carson, who's your bucket this week? Bill Self. There was a video posted by OSU that you know he took his team by the Remember the Tim Memorial, which, which, most, which most teams do uh, when they come during the anniversary and just, frankly, when they come to Gallagher Iba in general. But uh, it was cool to see Bill take his team by there. It was cool. Kansas posted a a picture of Bill shooting hoops on the Gallagher Iba floor. You know, he he played on that same floor, and uh, that was that was pretty cool uh, to see him remember and kind of dust off the old jump shot. But watching the game, Kyle, whenever OSU kind of cut it close, I just I I think back to you know we've talked about how OSU's been in malaise for 15 years, but who's beaten Kansas more than Oklahoma State? I think. I think Oklahoma State probably has the most wins against Kansas over those 15 years. I th- I think that's right. Which is just crazy, which tells you Bill Bill likes to help out his alma mater every now and then, especially when he's in Gallagher-Iba. Uh, so I, I thought Bill was going to do do OSU another solid last night for a, for a brief moment in time. But um, I love Bill Self. Uh, I think he's going to go coach the Spurs, and I, I hope he wins the, the title there. But that's my bucket. I like it. Uh, my bucket is uh, I'm going back to golf. Victor Hovland, you tweeted this video out. He's a uh, he's kind of a low key star, right? Awesome. Like, he he hasn't won yet. Uh, he will. He's playing. Uh, he's playing this week at the um, the Phoenix Open, which would be fun. Ricky will be defending his title there. But he did this video with uh, Andrew Johnson, beef as he's otherwise known on the European tour, and uh, he's just. I don't know, man. Like he, he does not come off like a professional athlete. He is just, he's just a fun human being or he seems to be. I've, I've talked to him a few times. He's very, very nice, very kind. Um, he, he's going to be great. And I was looking at, uh, it's January 28th. So of course I was looking at master's odds today and, uh, he is, I think 60 to one, 80 to one to win. And last April he was like, 250 to one. Um, I don't think he's actually in the field yet, which could be problematic, but uh, hopefully he gets in and uh, is able to, to do some damage there. He's he's, he gets my bucket this week. He's got an awesome personality. That video I posted, they, they draw these balls out of a bag that have a different club on them. So you have to play whatever club you draw. And it was just hilarious seeing, you know, beef kept getting screwed <laughs> and they ended up tying, which was, which was pretty awesome. I'd encourage people to go, go watch that. Yeah, it was good. Uh, my brick has to go to Mike Boynton. We like Mike. He's been on this podcast. Um, I don't understand how they can be so inept offensively. I mean, you can control a lot of things to coach. I mean, an out of timeout play, get, get you an easy bucket. Like it's, you got to run some. You got to you got to help out your team if they're not shooting well from three point land. Tell them to stop shooting threes if they're not named Desagua, and then get them some easy buckets. I just I have not liked what I've seen at all this year. I mean, and more disturbing, Kyle. Like what what players are getting better? It just it seems like players are regressing more than they're improving too. And I think that's that's on the head coach. So I, I got to go with Boynton this week. Yeah, I I think all that is fair. Uh, my brick is uh, Oklahoma State wrestling. What? They lost, they lost to Northern Iowa on Friday. Oh, I missed this. Yeah. It was. Uh, it kind of was Friday news dump. 
I think it was Friday because they put they went against Iowa State on. It was either Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday. Uh, they lost to Northern Iowa, which is uh, not good. And somebody on the chamber brought this up. They said, is this the worst year, worst school year for Oklahoma State athletics in the modern era of, of uh, I, don't, I don't know what you would define modern era. I guess like the 2000s, maybe, like since 2000. Because football goes, what, eight and five. Uh, basketball might go two and 16 in conference play. Wrestling is uh, losing to Northern Iowa. And golf is not good, Carson. They didn't have anything better than, I think, a fourth-place finish in the fall. So that leaves <laughs> baseball? Yeah. New stadium, baby. Yeah. So, uh well, I would argue the early '90s was a rough patch. Now well, you did have it, Eddie. You did have Eddie going to the Sweet Sixteen in his first yeah, yeah. season. So it, it it depends on how you define modern era. Because if we're yeah. defining it as like the last forty years, then it's certainly not. But if we're defining it as the last ten or fifteen or twenty, I, I don't know. I don't know what the definition is. The point is, uh, it's been a it's been a tough school year for kind of all the way around. Yeah, and I think that speaks to why OSU kind of became a. I'm still thinking about the early 90s. Why OSU became such a basketball school. It's like Eddie had him rolling and everything else was not very good. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's a that's a big reason. Yeah, it's a good point. Okay, uh, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and we'll come back and uh, we've got one interesting thing, Carson. You've got <laughs> – You've got a good one. I've got a fun one, and you've got a uh, you've got a heated one. So I've got we'll I've got a heated one and a good one. So we'll, we'll, we won't end on a negative note. We'll be back in just a second. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986, and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise, and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, you want me to go first or you want the, <laughs> do you want the floor? Uh, you go first. Uh... Chuba, Chuba saying they're going to win it all. I, uh, I love it. I love the optimism. I love the page views. Thank you, Chuba. <laughs> Very much appreciated. Um, let's get to the big 12 title game first. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I mean, they, they're certainly talking the talk, which again, like good for them because that's something that I think they've kind of lacked the swagger, right? They've lacked the like come out and we're going to, we're going to just pound you guys. We're going to win by 30. We're going to destroy everybody because I think Gundy's not like that. And I think that's served them well at times. I think that's served them poorly at times, but for better or worse, that's who they are this year. And I'm kind of worried about them getting a little too much hype, but I do trust their sort of, uh, kind of the bedrock, you know, the Sanders, Tyle, and Shuba, because I think those guys understand how to be great. And they've got a defense that could be great. So, um, yeah, my one interesting thing is uh, is Shuba saying they're going to win it all and then tricking Gundy that he was turning pro, which was hilarious. Yeah, I, I included that in my story. It was kind of fun to to do the back and forth of the conversation that Shuba and Mike had, and he, he tricked them pretty good. And I, I was shocked – I was shocked a guy like Chuba said that. That's not really his style. But no. uh, I did get a little negative deja vu, Kyle, because I was in the student union when Marcus Smart announced he was coming back. Mm. The same same exact setting. And they kept talking about the Final Four. So I was getting a little negative uh, deja vu because they didn't, they didn't win a tournament game that, the following year. So yeah. maybe yeah. it'll turn out different for, for Chuba and company. Uh, my, I have two one interesting things. Let's get the negative out of the way. And again, it's not, it's not cool for members of the media to talk, talk smack about other ones. But in this case, I think it's pretty warranted. Um, 
this goes back to the plane crash in 2001. Um, I learned this, I, for people who don't know, I worked under Bob Berry Sr. and Bob Berry Jr. Bob Berry Sr.'s last year was, was my first year at TV. And uh, whenever the crash happened, Bob Sr., you know, he was still calling games for Oklahoma basketball. He arranged for every member of the Big 12 uh, as far as play-by-play -play guys, to sit in and, and call a game in, instead uh, in in the absence of Bill Teagans. Every single member of the Big 12 did it, except for one guy. A guy named Dave South from Texas A&M, which, look, you, you and I, Kyle, we have a lot of fun making fun of Texas A&M. I don't know if this is a reflection on them or just him. I don't, I don't think he had something more important to do, but he was the only one who, who, who wouldn't do it. And... I don't know the situation, but I do know it pissed off Bob Sr. and Bob Jr. And that's something Bob's, uh, Bob Jr. told me when I first started. And uh, he said, I put a big red line through that guy's name. And so I think the reason I bring it up, it's not to just to talk smack. It's just sometimes things are more important than yourself. And I don't know what his reason was for not doing it, but shame on you, Dave South. He, he's retired now. Obviously, doing something more important now, but um, <laughs> that that really bothered me to that to, to this day, and uh, I think it's important to bring it up that he did that. I, I think that was that was wrong, and he should be ashamed of himself. So, there, I said it. Uh, that's yeah. my negative thing, and um, the positive is I think you posted on pistols firing on Twitter. OSU reposted it, just the kind of the story of that first game back at Gallagher Iber Arena against Missouri, which we all remember. That to me, Kyle, is still the, probably the most memorable sporting event I've ever been to, just because mm. it was such a weird, strange environment. It was, it was part wake, it was part funeral, it was part grieving process, it was part basketball game. It was all these things rolled into one, and just the emotion in that building was something I've never really experienced. I'm not a really a, I'm not a devout Christian like you are. I'm, I didn't grow up going to church a whole lot, but that was, that was the most religious experience I think I've ever experienced. And, uh, it's always cool when they, when they repost that video. Yeah. There's a video. It looks like it's from 1901 instead of 2001. <laughs> so we uh, can't, we, we can't figure out H YouTube videos from back then, but yeah. <laughs> It's it's sort of a mini documentary where they interview um, Mike Noteware, who was the one of the SIDs or about to become the S basketball SID at the time, and then Larry Reese, who obviously everybody knows, and they're the kind of the two voices that talk about that game. And uh, to me, it's it's a uh, it's almost a cooler version than watching the entire. I mean, the entire game's awesome, but I I tweeted out from the from our from our our twitter handle do people still call them handles by the way uh you just did our twitter account i don't whatever by the way if you own at pistols firing please give it to us <laughs> you have not tweeted since 2009 because i check once every four months <laughs> that might be my one interesting thing give it get, just give us the name please they should. You should be able to issue like a, a Patrick Reed cease and desist to there because there's so many dormant Twitter handles like that. So uh, anyway, it's it's really good. It's four minutes. I put it on the site too, and people should watch it because it's super important. Just like all this stuff is, and uh, yeah, this is this has been a good podcast, Carson. I know it's. Uh, I don't know. It's stuff that we don't talk about a ton. We're usually hollering about three and four star guys and, you know, why OSU's running on third and three or, you know, whatever. But it was good to talk about some of this other stuff too. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. I lost my composure, but again, I'm a big softy. Um, I hate to see people hurting at, at funerals and stuff like that. And so I would encourage everyone to go to the remember the 10 run Twitter account handle and uh, read the, read the messages the family's posted. I think it's, it's cool and it's emotional. And it's, it's sad. It's, it's a lot of things, but uh, I think it's important to talk about this every year because those families deserve that. For sure. Okay. We'll talk again soon. Let's have a happier episode next time. Maybe OSU will win Bedlam on Saturday. Probably not, <laughs> but maybe. 
Maybe so. We'll see. Okay, we'll talk.